Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Third Round Picks Podcast. Today, we got the whole gang back together again for another time uh, with Mike Bibbins, uh, a.k.a. at Bibbs Corner, and Adam Bibbs on Twitter, uh, and also Richard Stamen, a.k.a. at Draft on Twitter. How you doing, Richard? I'm pretty good. It's good to be back. All right, good. How are you doing, Bibbs? Struggling through allergy season, but it is the most wonderful time of the year, so I think I'm going to be all right. All right, good. Me, uh, I just saw Captain Marvel last night, and uh, 10 seconds, Flurkins are cool. I would love to have an octopus <laughs> cat. Anyway, enough of that. Um, so on this episode, we're breaking down all the March, all the all the players that are pretty much, if not 100% guaranteed to be in March Madness. Um, so we're, we're going to get going to that. And all these guys are relatively important prospects, except for like a few or a bit more shaky on, or they're more long-term prospects unless right now, or they've had a big fall in stock due to things like injuries or just down years. So why don't we jump right into it with none other than Shamori Ponds. Uh, out of St. John's, the school that Tariq Owens left. Bibbins, I want you to go first in this one just because I'm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, well, I am uh, usually a fan of the midget ballers. I try to find the, the exceptional midgets. But um, I'm not a huge fan of Ponds, personally. Um, I haven't actually watched him this year, but just in the past, I mean, he just seems like your standard run-of-the-mill, undersized Brooklyn guard. It's going to play really hard and give you all he has, but I'm not sure how that translates to the next level. All right, fair enough. Um, Richard, you got anything you want to go on before I – I'll just read through my notes. Um, I mean, I like him. He's taken a better – he's taking a step forward in terms of efficiency. Uh, oh, yeah. Down. It's, it's really helpful having, like, a Mustafa Heron next to you. Uh to ease the load i think for him like if he had better shot selection and decision making he would be a darling in this draft um he's definitely going to be like a yogi Farrell type in my opinion uh someone that you have come off the bench can shoot uh, as long as you can do it in limited doses but i really like his defense i think he's a little bit pesky you know he averages like three steals a game almost um yeah he's He's an interesting prospect. I just don't know. Like Bib said, I don't know how much of it translates. That's my issue with him. Right. Well, I do want to note that um, this year is like um, he's got rebounded his three-point shot. He's at a career high in assist to turnover at a 5.2 to 2, which is pretty remarkable for a scoring guard. Um, also, um, St. John's is in a kind of a strange position because like half, if half of not like not more than half, like two thirds of their team is all transfers. So like, I mean, it's kind of hard whenever you're going with all the news players off, off, off top. And it's not like you've ever met like half of these goods. Cause like one of them was from like Odessa and I was like, okay, um, which I mean, he's he was a good player and all that. I'm just saying, like they just there's no way they could have possibly known each other. Gotcha. So I mean, the team chemistry thing might be a bit more difficult with him, but he has a lot of good pieces surrounding him, like L.J. Figueroa, and also as you previously mentioned, uh, Mustafa Huron. Um, but if you want to go in specifics, um, I really like how he's very, like you said, very pesky on the ball and off the ball, very um. 
he's he's able to lull like defenses to sleep and uh, get to the basket. And sometimes he doesn't even have to because he's definitely quick enough, at least at his level, to get into the lane. Whether he's quick enough to get into in the lane at the NBA level, I'm not sure, but his uh, his outside shot will definitely help. Um, my big thing is it's not not necessarily from what I remember, not the highest of arcs or anything. And it seems like when he's deeper out there and he's set, he's more comfortable. Whereas whenever he's closer and more guarded, he ends up shooting it a bit more flat and with a bit, it ends up sometimes being short because it seems like it lacks power or something, or it just doesn't get high up enough. Um, another thing um, with the steals going back to it, cause I kind of didn't finish that point. Um, he there was this like I'll just give an example. One time whenever he was uh switching onto a guy, he like kind of played in the middle a little bit and then like just went and absolutely snatched this perimeter pass as if like this this uh passer on the perimeter was an absolute dummy. And it was uh it was kind of funny to watch because just like he just kinda like hid behind the screen and then just came up behind it and and just snatched it. And he does it all the time. And he's very good at just getting around like the corner of someone's body and just snatching the ball away and just does it all the time. I do like the uh, Yogi Ferrell comp that uh, Richard gave. Um, I think you know if St. John's gets the right matchups, they could he could uh, have a game or two where he kind of puts himself into that that draft discussion as a second round type guy that people might look at. To yeah. do, uh, what Yogi did come off the bench and cause problems. Yeah, I don't think Virginia would be a good matchup for him at all because I'm pretty sure DeAndre Hunter would just shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say a team like that that runs one a tight system is could easily fall victim to a guy like him who's not going to play by the rules. Uh, yeah, I know, but I mean, at the same time, when if they didn't have DeAndre Hunter, I'd be like, yeah, they have a, they could probably get knocked out. But whenever you have that elite on-ball defender, and it's not like Shamori Pond is some unique athlete. Yeah, I, I'd bet on Hunter being able to shut him down. Harvard just lost. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jordan Bruner and Miyayoni. They're going to the tournament, baby. All right, continue. Yeah, in case you haven't, in case you haven't been able to figure out, we're recording this during the conference tournaments. <laughs> yes, but uh. Regardless, um, another thing he really, he really, at least in the the footage I watched, he fell in love with taking a whole lot of spin turnaround jumpers and just spinning around a lot and getting uh, into spaces. He's small enough to be able to duck around and under places that bigger players wouldn't be able to get away with, and he's he uses the threat of his jumper to make people like shift the wrong way and then get into the lane, and people can't react in time. But I think at the NBA level, it's going to cause him problems because, like, at least half of the defenders he goes up against are going to be capable of matching up against that. Right. Um, I think that pretty much covers uh, Mr. Pons. If... I would say so. Shall um, we move on? To... Who's the next guy on the list? I'm pulling it up right now. Um, the Martin, not sorry, wrong. Um, Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ. All right, um, Richard, I think I remember you saying something about Hap, so I kind of want you to go first. I'm not high on him at all. Um, <clears throat> I know he doesn't – I don't think he has potential for a jump shot at all. I think he's one of those good college players who never plays a game in the NBA. That's uh, my short and brief take on him. Yeah, I mean, 
I could see that argument, but the combination of the weird things he does, I think at a certain point where in your 50s is like, what else are you going to get? And just like take a shot at him and maybe it works out. Kind of like, um, not kind of like, because this isn't really an accurate comparison, but just like whenever you're taking a look at a guy like Nikola Jokic is just so unorthodox. And then it works out. Not saying that Ethan Happ is ever going to be anything like Nikola Jokic or anything, because that's obviously BS. But, you know, he has a shot to be, like, enough of a plus on offense with, like, his weird combination of skills and capable defender, even if he's not that athletic. Um, He's kind of antiquated in a way, though. (laughs) Because he... Most of his playmaking is just out of the post using these weird, um, like turn one way and then just like slip under and pass out a lot of like just shoving passes out of the post down to shooters and also um, using these weird flick hook shots as like primary mode of scoring outside of turning and ducking under for layups. And that's like 99% of the way he scores. His jumper is not viable like at all. It's not. And his free throws are not viable at all. Um, Defensively, he uses his his length well, but he's definitely not an, like an above the rim player or anything. So he he does he's gonna have trouble against players that can just straight up jump over him. And also, he's, he he needs to be so aware of what's happening, and sometimes he's so concentrated on offense because he's having to carry a big load even this year with a bunch of his players being back. Yeah, I think he'd be a. Uh a great prospect uh, in the 70s. I think he'd be a legend. Oh, I think he'd get picked like in the lottery in the 70s. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just not a lot of... I mean, it's Tyler Hansborough on his on his psych meds. Yeah, or like like some like d- diet Kevin McHale or something. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's crafty and all that, but it's like it's 2019 where I resist somewhat on the whole modern NBA thing. Uh, when it comes to the four position, you have to have some type of jump shot, and I just don't see it with him. Like, he's yeah. not playing the five on anybody's team. He's not protecting the rim, and he can't shoot. So that's, you're only there's playing not really him at, a place You're for playing him at the five if you just are giving up on defense. Yeah, there's, there's not a place for him, I don't think. Not on a title team if he plays significant minutes, but I mean, he could theoretically, not even theoretically, he has a chance to be a guy that can play like 10 minutes a game or something. He could probably be that, but that's about it. But I, even then, it's like he has to be in the right fit, and there's so many fit questions. That like, it's like, I guess throw a pick at him if, if you think the fit would work in like the late 50s or something, or pick him up on a two-way, or pick him up on an Exhibit 10. But I wouldn't let him go to Europe. I would make sure you try to have him at least in your G League development, at least just take a chance on him because I think it might be worth the idea at a certain point because of what's your opportunity cost. Interesting. But uh, moving on to the next man, or the next two men, we have the Martin twins. Caleb and Cody Martin. Um, both these guys who are also kind of had their hat in the ring in the draft last year. Has anything changed really between this year and the previous year? Statistically for them, not much. Uh, they were a, a couple of those guys that had great tournament runs and put themselves uh, in the discussion, came back and 
Uh, Caleb's numbers are pretty much the same as they were last year. He's down from the three, actually. Uh, Cody, uh, his numbers are pretty average from three as well. He does have a five to two assist turnover ratio, which is interesting. Um, I don't think he's playing the point in, in, in Nevada, but his numbers seem to indicate that he has the ball often. Um so that's something to look at if he's maybe going to be trying to transition as a big point guard. But other than that, I mean, they are what they are. Um, they're the same people they were last year. If you like kind of athletic wings that slash and play hard, that, that's what they are. Um, I don't think they've raised their stock at all coming into this year. Yeah, and I just want to make a, like a quick 15-second note on college basketball rankings. It's kind of hard. I mean, I get that what Nevada did last year. But it's kind of hard for me to believe Nevada is a top 15 team whenever they almost lost to Akron. They almost lost to South Dakota State. They almost lost to Boise State. They almost lost to Air Force. Like, they almost, they lost to San Diego State. (laughs) And they, like, it's just, it's really bad. And I'm kind of questioning, like they they lost San Diego State twice, and saying like you know you know what the mess is going on in San Diego State, even though they have good talent. Like I'm I'm not sure you can put them that high, and also I think Utah State's underrated. Just want to put that out there from last episode. <laughs> um, but uh, Richard, do you have anything to add on the Martin brothers? Um, I think Caleb is the better prospect. I think that's pretty much universal, right? Yeah, according to most boards, he's way higher. Yeah, I my thing is with both of them is one I never know who I'm scouting. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, yeah. no, I uh, my issue with uh, the Martin twins mostly uh, I guess it's a surprise of both, but more so Caleb is he falls back on his jumper and like against length that that'll never work. Oh, I hate their shot. I hate his yeah, shot. Their, their jump shots are disgusting, and that's really gonna be what holds him back. Um, I, I love their secondary playmaking ability, uh, and they're good athletes, but man, that those jump shots, I'm, I'm big on jump shot form and, uh, they just don't pass that at all. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Well, it's time to move on to the next person in the group. We got none other than basketball defensive God, Matisse Thibel. And I'm checking the time to make sure we don't spend 30 minutes on him because I feel like we could. But I will make a continue. point of not doing it, but I just want to gush on his stats for just a second, if you don't mind. Is that cool? Oh, go ahead. Okay. So I just want to know how ridiculous this is. First off, there was this tweet. I believe it was like college basketball players since like whenever Sports Reference has been putting these stats down, so like the 90s, to like ever have a, a steal percentage and a block percentage of six, and also I think it was points per game of like, eight or something and it was like never happened before and Matisse Thibel I was like <laughs> that's hilarious or I, I might not have been points I'm not exactly sure what it was but it was something where like it's like you would be impressed that he was able to do it but like a guy that gets 3.4 steals and 2.2 blocks and is only six foot five or six foot six maybe as a wing is incredible like even in his own because Sorry, I was what? Gonna ask, did you have a list of who those guys were? Oh, it, like you said, it was nobody. Like it okay. was him. It was him. Like he was like <laughs> no one else has ever done it because okay. he was that good. 
Now, I think there was some qualifier where, like, if you took it off, it, it would probably include somebody else. But as, like, an offensive qualifier. Gotcha. But regardless, it's still impressive. And, I mean, the fact that you he might even be a capable shooter based on pass shooting ability, and he's still not even that bad. Right. And he shot 85% from the free throw line this year. And, you know, it's not like he's he's not a below-the-rim player, so he can get out and transition and take advantage of his defensive abilities and his defensive reading skills. I think he would terrorize any NBA opponent in his own every time. And I think a, a coach like a Rick Carlisle or a Greg Popovich or an Eric Spolstra would fall in love with him because they all love to use zones. Hmm. Um, Bibbs, do you want to go? Um, yeah, sure. So <clears throat> you mentioned his shooting potentially being the thing that could come back. That's kind of the big thing for me because I don't think his, his defense can be doubted or challenged. I mean, he's all over the place, great length. I mean, he's not just chasing down shots, getting blocks on the weak side. Like He's blocking jump shots on the ball. Oh, yeah. Um, just a, a defensive monster. Uh, pretty athletic guy. And uh, he shot 40% from three two years ago, uh, shooting the same, pretty much the same amount of threes that he's shooting now. I'm not sure why his percentage dropped, but if you bring him to the NBA, you put him on a team with a couple of guys where he's just going to be a random guy on the court, like he's not going to have the defensive attention on him necessarily. Uh, I would not be surprised to see those numbers come back up to where they were previously. So you're looking at an elite three and D guy here in, in Tybal. Um, I don't know. He's very exciting to me and he shoots 85% from the free throw line. So you have to believe that shooting is not something that's completely left him. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to note the athleticism is not like insanely elite. But it's more than above the rim enough, and I think you could put even if he can't really shoot that well. You know, Andre Roberson's really good with his cutting abilities. Right. I think Thibault, to a certain extent, can really take advantage of defenses trying to leave him alone with, with that with that athleticism and also just his pure length. I mean, his seven foot wingspan for a guy that's six five or six six. It's pretty good, and his ability to take advantage of that length too. I mean, it's incredible, right? Exactly. Hey, I got a, I got a comparison for him. Let me know okay. you So the obvious is like the low end, or you know, if his jump shot doesn't pass, whatever he's Roberson, whatever. I got two. One of them is uh, current Maverick, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. That's right. one. How y'all feel about that? Uh, the second, this is a hypothetical comparison, I guess, but. He kind of reminds me of what Frank Nielakina could have been. Like, he, it feels the same way. You know, long arms. He's a great defender. You don't really trust the handle all that much. He's, you say he's could have, but Frank is, is Frank is still younger than him. Oh, yeah. No, no. But I'm saying, like, because <laughs> he hasn't been good. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, the same upside that people saw in Frank, I think you could arguably make that same case for where Thibault is and, like, how close he is to achieving that. Because, I mean, he's got the length. He's got the defensive instincts. He, I think he can shoot. My thing I've always seen with him is he hesitates. He doesn't have confidence in it. Um, but, I mean, I've, I've watched him since he was with Markel Fultz as a sophomore. And, I mean, he's just a world-class defender. Like, I think he's the best pro- defensive prospect to come out since Roberson. 
and that's seven years, I think. Like, I, I love him. I, I'd be shocked if he falls to the Mavs at whatever they pick in the second round. But that would be a dream come true. Side note, he his best three-point shooting year was that year with uh, Fultz. Yeah, it's almost like having a good point guard helps you being able to shoot. A nice slashing, penetrating point guard. Yep. Well, the easy with the hot take, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's such a hot take, right? I know. Um, personally, with Thibel, I as a defender, I'd probably put him a cut above Dorian, to be honest. Because, I mean, I love Dorian a lot. But Thibel is just different, man. Like, Dorian was not, uh, is, is not and was not the shot blocker that Matisse Thibel is. And that's just the truth. <laughs> like, and then on top of that, um, I would probably give Dorian a bit of the edge offensively as a rebounder compared to Thibel. Um, Because, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, Dorian's some like elite rebound in general, but like we've all seen, if you watch the Mavs games, you see him crash the boards all the time, and it's a unique effect on the offense. Sorry to interrupt. He's definitely an elite rebounder. Uh, offensive rebounder for his position, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I would I get where you're coming from, but I feel like I- I'm trying to think of like because I obviously I'm I'm kind of young, so I'm I can't go too far back in NBA history to like just pull out names out of the ring. But like whatever isn't wasn't Tony Allen also six five? Because I can kind of build off Tony Allen for a second or six six. Sounds about yeah. right. And Tony Allen could shoot in college. Yeah, so like Tony Allen, but more athletic and also can kind of play a forward big, like can also play as a forward and not just a wing. Because I'm pretty sure Tony Allen did not average like two and a half blocks. No, just one. Yeah. So, yeah, like Thibault, that's where I don't think he's like Nilkina at all. Because Nilkina played more like a guard. Thibault's not a guard. He can't play like a guard. He's not a guard. He's a wing and even a forward at times. Like, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue otherwise. He doesn't play like a guard at all. Who's he going to be guarding is the question. Who's he going to be guarding? Threes. What? Like, since Neil Aquino came in the league, he hasn't really played like a guard that much either, though. Oh, no, not not an on-ball guard. He's kind of played like off-guard and wing. But, like, based on what we saw at the time, we all kind of thought he was going to be like this combo guard because that's what he was doing, and he was really good at it. But don't, don't get me started on Frank's situation, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, um, why don't we move on really quick to his teammate Jalen Noel? Um, Richard, you want to have first dibs? I personally haven't seen much of Noel. I think he's uh, he's in, I want to say he's one of those guys that he's going to be another good college player. I'm not really sure what he does in the NBA, um, but. I think so. eventually he'll be taken as a two-way player, um, just based on who we've seen as two-way players. I have him higher ranked than a lot of the guys uh, that have been getting two ways the last two years. So he's I'm kind of in the middle of on him. There's not anything that I love about him. It's not anything that I necessarily hate. So I'm right in the middle on him. Well, I just want to note really quick, looking at numbers, I'm really intrigued by how he's a 44% three-point shooter that also averages over five rebounds. That's pretty interesting. So he, uh, <clears throat> when you look at him, I mean, just physically, he looks the part of a uh, NBA two guard. Kind of uh, reminds me of Brandon Roy physically, 
mm-hmm. and the way he carries himself. Uh, like six four, a little over two hundred pounds. Um, the fact that he shoots forty four percent from three, but only takes three a game, kind of upsets me. Um, I'd love to see him get to the line more than three times. Arms, yeah. So I'd love to see him get to the line more than three times as well because of his body. But um, like like Richard said, like you see, everything looks right, and you can't really say there's anything necessarily bad about his game. But is there anything exceptional about his game? Like he kind of does what he's supposed to do, and I want to see him take it to that next level. Uh, All right. Well, I just want to throw this out there for the sake of giving a moment to our Mass fans over here. Would you take Noel or Daryl Macon? Ooh. I would say Macon. Yeah. I'll <laughs> uh, well, say Macon's so already like- proven himself at the next level, so. He's at the G League level taking a whole bunch of shots and being really poor net rating-wise. But, yes, he's very, he's relatively efficient and has, like, a 2.2 assist to turnover, which is not bad for a guy that's being asked to be a volume scorer. <laughs> yeah, and especially in the G League system where, you know, it's not necessary. Like, guys are coming in and out. It's not necessarily the consistency with your roster. So Yeah, by the way, just want a quick note for any of you Kansas fans last year. The Mavericks G League team has Billy Preston. Is is he playing right now? Yes. Alright. And he's playing. I good. think I did see him and I think I did see him in a video. He was one of my guys I was higher on than most people last year. Yeah, he's shooting like forty percent from three with the legends. I'm really intrigued and I can't wait to get into him on my G League piece. Good for him. <laughs> All right. Moving on in case unless y'all have another thing to say. No, I think that pretty much covered it. All right. Um Marcus Howard, one of the leaders in the NCAA in scoring. Um, a better scorer right now, especially than Shamori Pons, but also more of a midget. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to, you know, I think he's one of like, I think he's like had like some kind of record to do with 50 point games. He has a bucket. Yeah, he is a walking bucket for sure. Um, also, we will also mention later his teammate, Sam Hauser. But um, Bibbs, why don't you go ahead and go on? Okay, so uh, it's midget season. I don't know if you <laughs> no, uh, Marcus is a guy who is an, I, he's definitely an exceptional midget. Um, like we said, he, he gets buckets, averaging 25 points a game, uh, has had several huge games this season. Uh, he shoots eight threes a game, still shoots over 40%, which you like to see. Uh, the, the, the um, I mean, if you go back to Chris Clemens doing similar things, but in a smaller conference, Howard's doing it in, in a bigger conference at uh, Marquette in the Big East. Um, I would love to see his assist turnover ratio look better than it does, currently one-to-one. But uh, I guess when you're having to score a lot, you're not necessarily in position to set guys up all the time. Um, I haven't watched him this year. Unfortunately, I, I got to get some Marquette film, but uh, just as a scorer on the scoring potential alone, he's a guy you have to at least give a look, maybe a two-way at worst. Um, I don't see him not being looked at by somebody at the next level. Just, I mean, you can't you can't uh, put a premium on buckets. So, all right. So, do you like him more or less than Shamori Pons right now? I'll say more than more than Pons. I would get it too, but at the same time, looking at Pons, I mean, like, at least, isn't he like 6'2 or 6'1 instead of 5'11? 6'1, yeah. 
So uh, there's hope that he can't be complete garbage on defense. And also, he's such he's so good at getting steals, he can at least provide some sort of value. Right, so Pons probably has better value as far as, like, he could probably fit more places because of his defensive tendencies. But uh, I like Howard as a guy that maybe do more in the right situation. Yeah, I think Howard could be, like, the ultimate microwave guard scorer for this class. Um, Richard, anything you want to add? Uh, I don't have much. I think y'all said it pretty good. Uh, I mean, he kind of reminds me of a more explosive score. Not like explosive athlete, but just more capable score, I guess, of uh, Tremont Waters. They're, they're really similar to me for whatever reason. I always associate one with the other. Is it because they're midgets that kind of score? <laughs> or in the case hey, of Marcus, I actually score? I don't discriminate by height. It's their play style. Right. Can I bring well, I mean, Carson yeah. Edwards into this discussion? Oh, God, please no. <laughs> no, not a fan of Carson. Not at all. All right, I'm just. Kidding. I get. Just I would get not being a fan of Carson. I would just want to put that out there. So it's Marcus Pons then Carson for you. Mm, or Pons, Marcus, uh, Carson. No, Carson's Pons, third behind the three. Pons. I'm gonna throw in Waters, Howard, and then Edwards. Okay, and just curious. Uh, we'll get to Waters later, I think. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. I will. We will get to Waters, but I do want to mention I'm not feeling Waters as much as y'all are, or at least as much as Richard is. But uh, I do want to briefly go over uh, Howard's teammate Sam Hauser. Um, he's like a wing four. He's like six eight. Yeah, it's like sort of a stretch, like four ish in college, shooting a pretty impressive forty percent from three on six attempts. Not quite as impressive as forty nine percent from three last year <laughs> but shooting 92 percent from the free throw line seven boards pretty decent assist to turnover for an off-ball player um i think his i think he's the kind of guy that could probably rise just because his stats are so good and if he goes on a run in the tournament with howard yeah it would definitely take a a, a pretty nice run i would think uh, and a consistent play from him to be one of those guys that people try to <clears throat> put in as like a tweener forward. So yeah, um, uh, if he gets hot from three, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's already been hot for like his entire career. So I mean, like people have to see it though at the biggest stage, the biggest stage, um, like a Sam Decker type situation, like a like a Moritz Wagner type of situation. Same thing. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, Richard. Anything to add? I think y'all said it. Pretty, uh, pretty well. Y'all summed up all of it. So, all right, cool. All right, moving on. I am such an incompetent. Okay, we are moving on to uh, the LSU boys specifically. We got to kick off with none other than Nazrian Reed. Um, six ten. Um, I would kind of put it as an incompetent defender. I don't know how y'all feel, but I'd say he's kind of an incompetent defender. I can't say he's great. Yeah, and on top of that, he he's kind of like he's he's kind of just like he kind of just gives up on defense half the time, and then when he tries, he just ends up fouling like three quarters of the time. But he seems to know how to use verticality. He just doesn't aggressively use it. He just kind of puts his arms up very nicely, but then doesn't put his body in. Right. I I guess I'll be I'll I'll buy it first. I I love Naz Reed. He's I have him as a first rounder. Um, I love how he can shoot basically from anywhere. Um, 
that's kind of rare for a freshman four to be able to do that. Uh, of course, there are defensive concerns. Like, he, he has short arms. That's, he's never going to be a good defender in the NBA. He's The short arms, he's slow against guards on switches. Like, it's an easy blow by. Uh, that's really concerning. But, man, he can put the ball on the floor. Like, he, I'm pretty sure he was one of those guys that was a guard before growing the classic, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, you've heard it before. He's one of those guys. He has a really, really good handle for for all of his offensive ability. is just so advanced for a 19-year-old. Um, so I really like him. I like him at the end of the first round. If he's somehow there when the Mavs pick, uh, I'm all for him. I think he could learn a lot from Dirk, too. Like, he's tried some of those Dirk fades, so it wouldn't hurt. And Porzingis, of course. Um, but I really, I really like Naz Reed. All right, so I just want to say really quick, if I'm a person that puts Nazrion Reed in the first round, I cannot possibly condone leaving Bol Bol outside of the top 10 at the same time. Because Bol Bol is basically a better Nazrion Reed in every single way. Like, literally, he's bigger, better shooter. Except his he's, body. Except his body. Except his body. Other than that, but skill-wise, everything. Even defense. All of it. All of it's better. Even free throw shooting. <laughs> like literally all of it's better and on top of that he can even has a better pull-up game and all this too so i'm a kind of person where i'm just saying in that situation but i'm not a big fan of necessarily big fan of either bowl bowl or nasrion reed so because his defense is kind of garbage to me and his jumper is questionable to me because it's set shot and looks really flat so or at least that's what i saw it could have changed since the last time I saw it, but it did not look pretty to so me. So for, for yeah, Reed... I mean, it's, a, it's like a, a... Sorry, Bibbs. It's a really no, quick... It's a quick and, like, he doesn't jump much, but, I mean, he can shoot it kind of consistently from the logo, which is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. It's impressive that he can do it. I'm just saying it's the kind of thing where, like, it doesn't lend itself to quite as much versatility as a guy like Bull Bull. I was... Because even though Bull Bull's jump shot is definitely not beautiful... It's at the same time, Bobo has all these extra advantages to where I'd still bet on Bobo. So, so, yeah, I think Naz Reed, for me, biggest thing he has going for him is his physicality, 6'10", two, or his size, I should say, not his physicality, at 6'10", 240. Like, he's got a good body um, if you can force him to, to bang a little bit. Uh, his shot has improved, or his percentages have improved over the course of the season. I think he's up to 37% from three right now, uh, 74% from the line. Uh, with his shot, I do think it is a little bit slow. Um, but I love his hands. I love his action in the pick and roll. Like, he's a good pick and pop guy uh, as far as the off-ball score at the four. You have to remember he's a kid, so uh, any of the, the, like, tendencies that you – might note our concern you have to wonder how much of that can be worked through with the right coach or if he's in the right situation i do think he's a guy because he's not as aggressive um or as that the i don't want to say motor i hate when people say he doesn't have a motor but he's not as as aggressive as i would want to see a, a big man that's a guy that had lottery potential coming in uh, if he goes to a bad situation like he could definitely just disappear yeah, I mean, it, with any player in the right, like if you put Bull Bull, as long as he has a tough enough brain to handle it, if you put him in like the Spurs, the Spurs will do something with him. They'll figure it out because they're the Spurs. Right. But 
It's the same thing with Nasir Henry. He just needs a good place because otherwise it's kind of hard for me to like a guy who's just so passive on defense, even though he definitely has capabilities. But offensively, the ability to put the ball on the floor, ability to roll, ability and like finish not anything elite, but just big enough and comprehends how to do it properly and stuff like that is going to be enough to probably land you a mid-second round pick, most likely. And the thing about him is, like, because he came in with such a high pedigree, he uh, he's all over the place on draft boards I've looked at. Um, anywhere as high as 14 uh, and as low as 46. So, I swear to God, where did you find that 14? Uh, I want to say draft room. Okay. I was about to say, draft net has him in, like, 40s right now. So they, they had, Draft net had him at 18 at one point. They moved him down. I know this because I checked. actually they had him in the top ten initially. He, he's been dropping all year for them. Oh yeah, they they loved him to start the year. They loved. Oh wait, but we'll we'll, we'll go on. I think. Um, so uh, Tremont Waters, Richard, I think you deserve to have dibs on going first. Oh yeah, I'm ready for it. So I've loved Waters since last year, like when he had his coming out party um, against Michigan in like the something in Hawaii Classic. Um, he he was doing stuff that Trey Young was doing. He got no recognition. Uh, obviously not as good of a playmaker. Uh, slash doesn't have an entire offensive system built around him. But I love I love what he does. For a guy who is supposedly six feet the same way JJ Barea is six feet, um, I absolutely I absolutely love how good a vision he has. Like he in transition, I've never seen a college player who does what he does where he can see. 70 feet down the court over eight, six foot, five plus guys, whatever, and able just to put a uh, spot on pass. And then even in the half court, he still has that same vision. Uh, he's great in the pick and roll. Um, I mean, he, he just does it all offensively that you could ask for, for a guy who's six foot. Uh, obviously, the sh- defensive shortcomings are real. He's never going to be able to defend on ball. He's an insanely good off ball defender. Um, but he he's short. He doesn't have much strength, um, and, you know, he's not a great athlete. So those are all three things that can really hold him back. Also, his shot's kind of blah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my big thing with him. Yeah, and he over-dribbles a little bit. I feel like he can make the same exact uh, stuff about Carson Edwards. I just like his IQ so much more. Uh, like, you, like, you know he knows how to play the game, and learning the game isn't going to be an issue like a lot of other guys. I take Carson Edwards, the athlete, over Tremont Waters, the athlete, any day oh, yeah. of the week. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's the difference of just do you choose the athleticism or the IQ? Because I think the difference in both of them for each category is huge. Also, I think it's worth noting that I, his turnovers have really taken a bad turn this year. Yeah. And I think why- I think it's probably a cause of the over-dribbling. Yeah. But it is worth noting how much of an issue that is because it's like 3.6 turnovers for a guy who's supposed to have great vision is not okay unless that guy is putting up like 20-plus points (laughs) or is like having a lot of assists, which he's not. He's having less assists than last year. I think it's about the same, isn't it? It's like almost exactly the same, but still. For the amount of how much the turnovers went up, it's still every little bit matters. Right. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, you'll see one game, you're like, all right, he's a guy. he's He's got a good shot. And then you'll see another game, you're like, eh, 
he's just a, a yeah. He, I always felt the same way as like from quarter to quarter. I felt like I was watching two different players. So I mean, like you said, he's a pest on D. He's having three steals a game. Um, <clears throat> you see the diamond capabilities, uh, but he's young, so he's making a lot of mistakes at the same time, trying to force passes that he maybe shouldn't. Uh, he's definitely a guy that needs to stay in school, but I could see next a year or two if he keeps it up at the same rate as far as uh, the stuff that he does well and then improves on the, his weaknesses like his jump shot and his turnovers, then, yeah, he could be a guy in a year or two. And I'd pick Jalen Pickett over him any day of the week still, <laughs> no matter what Tremont Waters does, like unless he becomes like Steph Curry as a shooter or something. But it's not going to happen. So, and like it's just because of all we talked about Pickett last week. So, moving on, I think to our next um, set of players at the Auburn Tigers. Shout out to Charles. Shout out to uh, Charles Barkley. Terrible. What? Oh, I, I, I thought you were. That, that was a terrible, a terrible Charles Barkley impression. I apologize. Oh, okay. To anybody who heard that. By the way, I just want to know how weird it is that like three teams in the SEC are all the Tigers, but uh. I mean, they weren't always <laughs> in the SEC. Well, I mean, two of them were. It's a very common team mascot. It's not quite as common as some other teams, but Tigers are up there, yeah. For sure. Um, so first off, we have the um, kind of like one of those sort of two-way players in this draft, Chumo KK. Uh, I think I want to go first on OKK okay, because okay, I got extensive notes from the Murray State game and versus Duke, I believe. But I've had it. Um, I like have multiple notes of like where it's like, oh, he can stay in front of this guy. I know he can stay in front of that guy. He's definitely not like DeAndre Hunter or anything like insanely special. But just the versatility of like he's like, I swear he's like six eight. Yeah, he's six eight. So the versatility of being able to guard like both threes and fours pretty well because like he's been able to he's had to guard a whole bunch of people this year while still being a capable offensive shooter. And I've seen him put the ball on the floor and just that entire mix of skills, being able to cover ground with just how big he is, cover side, how agile he is with how big he is, is pretty impressive. Um, the shot creation is not like elite or anything, but it's enough to where he can really cause problems on closeouts um, with pump fakes in particular because he is an actually capable shooter. Um He's he's had a few interesting moments where he seems to time like shot blocks like nearly perfectly, and that was like kind of interesting. Um, some other notes. I'm just going through because I'm improvising this a little bit. Um, couple a couple times I'm noting where like he has really good uses of verticality here at the rim, so that was really interesting as well. But at the same time, he's also had these other stuff where he's just gotten like still young mistakes, like taking um, like a step before dribbling and then just traveling, which is like the classic young player mistake, I think. Um, and also, he's still he's not gonna be able to guard guards. He can still he's not that agile or anything. He's definitely not DeAndre Hunter or anything. So don't trip. 
but my, that's just what I got off the top of my head. Uh, my, my take on him, uh, first of all, when I've watched Auburn, a lot of times it was for Austin Wiley, who I still can't figure out what's going on with him there. Um, but the best thing I, I can describe about him is, um, is that from high school, when he was uh, coming out, the scouting report was a little bit of everything, like the jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and I, I can't think of anything truer really for him. I think he's going to be exactly that kind of role player that he was in high school, kind of to the NBA. Uh, he's one of the yep. few guys who I think will be able to actually make that work. And to be fair, he still is that role player in college. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of one of those guys where he is what he is. What he does is what he does, and he's going to do that no matter where you put him. If you put him in a YMCA gym, he's going to do that. If you put him in an NBA game, he's going to do the same stuff, like five rebounds, five points, like. but a guy that you can put on the floor and not have be a liability necessarily. Kind of scrappy, too. Right, he's got a good good physical body, 6'8", 230-something. Oh, so. yeah. Also, want to know, um, you were comparing Thibel to Dorian. I think OKK might be a bit better of a comparison. That's fair. I might add 36% from three, so. Yes, he is definitely a capable shooter. But at the same time, he's the kind of guy where I wouldn't be surprised if he comes into the league and struggles shooting for like a year or two. Because, I mean, the free throws are a little bit above average for, like, quote-unquote four, if you call them a four. If not, they're average to below average at best. Anyway, moving on to, uh, I just want to mention one of uh, his teammates not named Austin Wiley, uh, Anthony McLemore. Um, He's kind of been a disappointment this year, but he's still, like, an energy big, roll man, dive man. Um. Capable of blocking shots, but definitely he's not the same as Dante Hall to me. Um, anything else to add about him other than like that basic note? Was he the one who broke his leg last year or broke his ankle? Probably. No, that was there ugly, was man. That was yeah, ugly. I think because it was against South Carolina. Yeah, um, you I, could hear him screaming. It was I just, bad. I don't see an NBA future for him, especially with the regression. Uh, good college player. I think you'll see him in the G League or overseas. You'll you might see him like one day on a ten day or something if someone really needs his his value. But I uh, I don't know if he's necessarily like a strong process, prospect in this uh, draft class. Definitely not. But I mean, I would I would wouldn't be surprised if he puts in a good summer league performance that he ends up on a on a two way. Yeah, he's he's hundred percent going to be in the G League next year as somebody tries to see what he can actually become. Or he, or he stays in the in college and like tries to win like a national championship or something. I don't know. Who knows? You never know anymore. Um, moving on to the next group of players, we want to lead off with none other than Maryland's own Jalen Smith. Jalen? So, uh, my I slurred a little. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Too much alcohol. <laughs> no, no, no. It was just because I was mixing up Jalen with Maryland. Jalen from Maryland over here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. Yeah, go first. Um, with uh, Smith, I, I have a lot of concerns. I don't know if he really knows how to – I don't really know how to put it nicely, but I haven't seen a lot of positive. He's a good athlete, has good size. Uh, but I really just like his jump shot. All of his shots end up on the back of the rim or like they're, they're not accurate. It's like he's launching. He's not even shooting. 
Um, the motor has come and, go- come and gone in the games I've seen. And uh, overall, his awareness and just care for the game and all that, it just does not look strong. Like, you can tell he's, he's not a basketball player first. He, he might be, like, an athlete first learning to play basketball, not necessarily a basketball player trying to, like, improve on everything kind of thing. Uh, I'm not too high on him. See, it's weird, right? Because I watched, I watched both <clears throat> him in high school and in college. And in high school, it was weird. Like, his motor was, like, there were times when it was just on. Like, he was going after loose balls, throwing his body, like, all over the court, getting himself hurt, trying to throw himself around the court. Like, it was a real thing. He had to go off the court <laughs> in the... And he was also, like, somehow shooting, like, 90% from the free throw line. And then all of a sudden, and this was for, like, a very specific stretch of games that I end up, end up watching. But, um, and then other times, now in college, and you just see Dines or just seems disinterested. And it's a weird situation to be about. But his his physical traits are very impressive. And if he had his, his motor together, I'd be more interested in taking him as a prospect in this draft. But I think at a certain point, you have to kind of just take a look at him. Because, I mean, he's like a worse version of Ray Spalding, I guess. I don't know. I'm not even giving him that right now. But, I mean, he what, 6'10", 215, so the physical traits are there. Uh, shot is atrocious, as was yes. stated. Um, however, on its inside game, he has pretty good touch. Yes. Inside. Um, I guess I saw some good games of him because I thought he seemed like a pretty high IQ guy to me on both sides of the ball. Uh, seemed to be making the the advanced reads and getting to places before the play developed. Like yeah, he just... has his, he's weird. He has his moments where he does that, and he has other moments where he just like blah, I don't care. But yeah, and then it'll disappear for a stretch, and then. But I'm, I, I, for me, I think it'll do him some good if Bruno leaves to be the primary big man. That's what I would want to see to see if that maybe increases his motor, his his desire to to do things. Yeah, it feels also, like he's just kind of coasting this year. It is worth noting RSCI had him in like fifteen. Yeah, sixteen, I think. Right yeah, back. fifteen or sixteen, but regardless. That in itself will carry him as long as he can get better, if he can get better, because that it's good, that reputation will stick with him. Yeah, so that's why I would love to see him come back and double his stats pretty much next year. Yeah, just show show himself being the real Jalen Smith that he he thinks he is. But uh, there's no one else to mention on Maryland because we already did Bruno Fernando another time. Correct. Hey, so, shout, out, shout out to Aaron Wiggins. He'll be our prospect next year. Well, if you're going to shout out Aaron Wiggins, then I'm going to shout out Anthony Cowan. So. <laughs> Fair point. I'm just going to shout out the state of Maryland. So, Baltimore? What a... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, two names at Iowa State to look at. First off, um, future prospect extraordinaire and Richard's not favorite, <laughs> Tyrese. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to players that actually do have IQ. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, my guy. Ew. You can ew all you want, but you can't deny how efficient he is. Like, literally is, like, ridiculously efficient. 
He also only scores seven points a game. So I'm not talking about scoring efficiency. Just want to put that out there. Passing efficiency. I'm pretty sure it's like over three assists to turnover, or it's close to three if it's not. Yeah, 3.6 3. assists, 0.8 turnover. So it's like five, four, almost five. It's close to four, if not five. Yeah, it's like four and a half. So that's remarkable. And on top of that, despite Richard's reservations about his jumper, which are somewhat accurate, in fact, if not completely. Ugly. Yes. Um, like Kevin Martin, if he was slow. Jumper. And like worse. Or is it or maybe does it look like Zion's jumper at all? Because it oh, kinda does. It's... It's just ugly. It has. Like, it is ugly. Zion's jumper is ugly. No, it has like four motions. Yeah, it but does. It literally, it would be the worst jump shot in the NBA today, and that's including Lonzo balls. It's aimbot. It's like you like you have to like set in the coordinates. Yep. And but it it, it goes in. So I mean, uh, it's going in now. It's not it went going in, in a while later. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's going in in the NBA. He's gonna have to speed it up. Obviously, he's not a big man for crying out loud. Like, I he just was a punch him every time he goes to shoot. Bro, can we be done with Halliburton? Because I don't want to talk about him. You don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about him. All right, have at it. Um, I'm a really big fan of just like how capable he's, how all the interesting reads he has. Um, uh, as a playmaker, both in like pick and roll. And just off the ball, because he isn't often, well, not off the ball, because obviously you're passing the ball, but, like, not, like, just, like, handling the ball for, like, a really long time and then just making a pass. Like, he's a really capable passer, and that's incredible in itself. And at the same time, defensively, he's had his fair share of questions. Just gets beat. He's not necessarily extremely athletic, but he has really good physical tools that he can really use to his advantage. And I think at the end of the day, you're just talking about a guy that needs at least one more year, if not two years. But he is the type of guy that could really blossom just because he has the obvious thing you need to fix. It's so obvious that if he just spends like a summer on it, he might be able to get it back. Not get it back, but get it better. I'll sum up. Bibbs, you don't have to talk. I got it. I'll sum, I'll, we both are on the same page on this one, I think. Um, I'll just read my tweet that I made uh, when I was at the Iowa State game. Um, I tweeted this. I said, Tyrese Halliburton is a phenomenal athlete. However, his lack of a jump shot mechanics will permanently hold him back as a prospect. That being said, Iowa State has a lot of talent. <laughs> that being said, Tyrese Halliburton has a lot of talent. I mean, yeah, he's a great athlete, but I just I don't see him as an NBA prospect anytime soon. Oh, yeah, he's obviously a future player. You don't want him in this draft. No, no. But you never know. I could name, like, 50 players that I would have ahead of him. I will pick Jalen Pickett over him. I will say it right now. I will pick Jalen Pickett (laughs) over him. And I will not look back. Um, Lindell Wigington, shout out to you for being really hot from three last year. I don't think he's been the same this year. I could be wrong. He's been been hurt, but uh, he's a a candidate to explode in the tournament right now. Anybody that's a hot that can get a streaky shooter can explode in a tournament. So, yeah. I I enjoy looking at him play basketball. Fair enough. Moving on to Louisville, uh, Jordan Awara. Anybody want to go first? 
Bibbs, I talked for you last time. You talked for me now. <laughs> you don't want me to talk for you on, on this one. I actually have not seen Warren at all. Oh, wow. I don't I don't think he's a good athlete. Um, that I, He just seems like... He seems like a good college player. I, I don't really get the hype behind him. I don't know what he does at an NBA level. Um, I've been trying to figure that out through like 10 games, and I just can't figure it out. So, Max, you want to help me? Um, remember how you called Shumil KK a, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none? Yeah. Jordan Awar is in the same position in a lot of ways. I'd probably call him a better athlete, though. And at the same time, I'd probably give Chumo KK just a bit more well-rounded, just a bit better at like rebounding. I'd probably say, um, but they have a lot of similarities. Both are capable shooters, both um, pretty mobile. But you know, KK is obviously like two hundred thirty pounds, whereas Nawara, I'm pretty sure, is much more of like a wing size player. It's pretty 225. similar. Yeah, but 6, 7, I, It feels like he's more mobile, okay? So <laughs> he plays more like a wing. Whereas I've seen you know, KK have to run around like in the paint a bit more often. It is worth noting how well he's been playing in such a tough schedule because they're ranked as having a really tough schedule this year. And I mean, they're yeah, right in the thick of it in the ACC. And... But I probably would rate OKK as a bit better defender in general, just because of like all the things I noted about like him being able to like even at like at, like literally one play sample, but at the same time being able to just not just surrender to Zion is in itself an achievement. Just want to put that out there. Can I mention something real quick? What? Auburn bust Tennessee's ass. Yo, that is true. They uh, they're a team to watch in the tournament. Continue as you were. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Auburn was like a top 10 team coming into the year. They were ranked like eighth when they went against Duke and Maui. I don't even feel bad about South Carolina getting put out by them at this point. I, I mean, we say, you weren't supposed to be mad about it. Auburn's really good. I mean, I'm mad about it because I wanted my team to get to the tournament, but they were the one team I didn't want to see in the SEC tournament besides Tennessee and Kentucky. Like, I wanted us to get at least one win. So I was hoping to avoid them. Yeah, well, sorry about that. Bruce Pearl said, uh, sorry, not really. I mean, they got they got web, they got peak players at every area of the court, and Okiki's one of them. Like they can beat you in so many different ways. But um, another thing with Anora, he's his <laughs> arc is really low on his jumper to me. Not really low, but like comparatively low on his jumper. Um. He he seems to have his moments where he gets really on as an offensive player, and then other time he just completely disappears. But then the announcers are constantly calling for the ball to go to Nawara because he is a capable scorer, whereas Chumo KK definitely is not. And I think that's what separates him from a KK in that regard. But they both have like they're like a good like um like the yin yang version of each other, I think. Oh, KK just put up the uh, maxi line tonight, or today, by the way, 18 and 12. Yeah, OKK is the kind of a guy where he'd be like, oh, yeah, you got 18 and 12. He'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And at the same time, the war is like more aggressive, way more aggressive scorer. So you're going to have to like tone it down a little bit if you want to be a role player at the next level. But he has a bit better potential to me than OKK, whereas OKK is the kind of guy where you just 
you you know what you're getting with him, I think. And that security can be valuable, and also it is worth noting that like Nawara is on like this extreme improvement curve from last year in terms of just taking everything to an extra high level. But we'll see. I'm I'm not really sure to feel about him because I was really impressed by the way he plays, but at the same time, it's it's so inconsistent sometimes that I'm not sure really what to do with him at this point. I have to watch him more just to get a larger sample size. Interesting. Um, moving on, I think, unless you want to talk about VJ King for whatever reason, which I don't. So, because I mean, basically, whenever you're a six foot six guy that's shooting eleven percent from three, I don't want to talk about you. So, um, moving on to Florida State's own senior Terrence Mann. Um. Just went up against Duke the other night um, and lost. But um, definitely a standout senior um, in the conference, I'd say. Um, One thing I really noted from watching him was he loves to crash the glass. At the same time, he doesn't seem to ever box out when he goes up for boards. Whenever he's not, like, going in all the way from the perimeter, he doesn't seem to box out, like, ever. Or if he does, he's just very narrow, and he's not like giving himself a wide base to prevent people from going around him. And that irritated me. Um, the shot, the shooting form is another one of those things where it seems like he's come on as a senior and become a better shooter, but that might just be me. Um, what do you all want to go off on your chance for him right now? I, I really only paid a lot of attention to him in the game last night. I do not like his lack of aggression, and I uh, think he's averaging like seven or eight shots a game. That's, that's just not enough volume for me. Um, and he shoots 42% from three, but he takes two a game. Um, only five inside shots. He uh, seemed to like to penetrate and decided the last second he wants to pass it a lot. And um, in a big game like that for a, a guard, and especially if he's supposed to be your main guy, I, w- I wanted to see more from him, and I was completely unimpressed. Is Terrence Mann a guard to you? Because I'm not sure if he is, even though he's I mean, size-wise he is. but He's a 2-3 uh, a t- a type of guy from a wing. That Those are your guys that you're going to go to for scoring most of the time. Yeah. Or, well, for me, I think step up in those moments. He has the size to me to where, and the way he plays to where you might just want to make him a 3 4. Really? Because he's 6 7. He's skinny, though. (laughs) Yeah, he's like 215. So he's going to have to add weight, like, you know, 10 to 15 pounds. But he crashes the glass so much. I got a certain point. Well, he's not going to stop. He's not like he's suddenly going to stop crashing the glass. He's not going to be as successful, I don't think. He's not going to be as successful at it, but, I mean, look what Dorian Finney-Smith is able to do, and he's still, like, 220. So I'm just saying he could – he could. that's his That's his ticket to the NBA is him being able to crash the glass so well because it is extremely effective. Like, two-and-a-half offensive rebounds is something special. just want to put that out there. And if he's even capable as a shooter at all, it, like you start being able to build an argument for him and like as a two way guy or something. Yeah, I could see him working his way in potentially, but again, I didn't see enough 
aggression or want to from him last night in what probably was the biggest game of his career. Yeah, he's definitely not the guy that's going to take a, a team on his own. He's going to be the guy that has to be in the shadows as a role player. Um, Richard, anything you want to add? Um, with man, I I like him. Uh, he's a nice guy from what I've seen on Twitter. Uh, no, but he he plays in a weird system. I Florida State's really hard on the eyes. Uh, I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of college basketball live in general. Uh, but even even on replay and everything, Florida State is just brutal to watch. I think they don't utilize his transition ability enough. Um, he's a really good athlete. Uh, but my question is, is you kind of hit it like, what position does he play? What does he do? Um, at this point, he's another guy who just seems like a good college player. As much as I'd love for him to succeed, because um, he's a good guy and, and you know, there's, he doesn't do anything wrong. Um, I just, I don't know what his NBA future looks like. Scrappy, <laughs> scrappy rebounder is his role as an NBA player if he makes it. That's and what, what is that be. actually? That doesn't get minutes really. Like, because anyone can do that. JJ Bray can do that, you know? Rebounder? <laughs> For a guard, I mean, how much value does a rebounding guard have? You know, right. like if he was six nine and he was doing that, then okay. Dorian Finney-Smith is six eight and Terrence Mann is six seven. No, I don't think we're acknowledging how much of a difference there actually is. I'm just saying. <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith didn't get to where he is because of that, though. Yeah, as a rebounder, that was part of it. It was also his defense. But Rebounding's I, pretty arbitrary. I don't. I don't think it has much value in the NBA anymore. Not if it's not if it's like what the it depends on what you're doing as a rebounder. It depends. If like, you're so, at him, then it's okay. Because <laughs> I think Dorian Finney-Smith's rebounding provides a lot of value. I just don't think other players' rebounds that just kind of like DeAndre Jordan eh, does not provide but so much value. Is, my point is, is like, are you really gonna put a guard in there, <clears throat> a guard or a wing for rebounding? Like that just that doesn't get minutes, you know. Not really. He has to have a three-point shot, obviously. Right. But, I mean, it's not like he doesn't have it. So, I mean, I'm just saying he has a shot. He's not going to take it. My problem is that he he has the shot, but he won't take it. So, well, he's pointless to me. I I didn't mean – we'll see. I think think anybody can gain a little confidence over time. So, I'm not too attached to the whole, if you don't have confidence now, you can't have confidence later. So, But I want to move on to the next guy at this point, unless you want to talk about uh, what's his face? Uh, I forgot his name. You the don't can't remember guard. his name. Probably don't need to talk. About his point. That's the point guard. That's all I know. It's the point guard. Next guy. <laughs> Och- Ochaig Baji. Richard, go. Oh, I've been waiting for this. Um, I've been watching him. He's he's slipped a little bit since his really hot start on my board. Um, I. I liked him as a second rounder this year. He reminds me of one of those guys that like you want him to come out now because he's going to be a steal in the second round. I think next year, if he stays for another year and comes out as a sophomore, looking at a lottery pick, I mean, he's just, he's an insane athlete. Um, and I, I love that about him. He moves really well uh, on defense. Like I think he could be a good two way player. The jump shot is obviously a work in pro- progress. Um, my other big weakness is that he doesn't really go well he doesn't go left very efficiently. Like that's a that's a big weakness for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, on top of that, everything was like it seemed like he would have these gains where he's so on fire, 
and then other times where he's kind of dropping back in the shadows. But I can't deny like how capable he is on a team like this where he isn't being asked to do much of still being able to make an impact as a cutter, as a defender. Um, and all that's combined. And as a shooter, just you know, being able to shoot like 38% or 37%, I believe it's something like that, is something in itself of like a a guy that was just supposed to be a red shirt. I wouldn't, he's another one of those guys, the future prospect to me. I don't think he should come out in this draft at all. Um, Bibbs, I don't think you really got a chance to see much of him, so there's not much to add there. No, um, I mean, he the, looks like a great athlete with yes. high upside, but I don't know how much of a guy he should be right now. He's not a right now guy for sure. Um, you look out for him in the tournament, though. He can have an explosion because he's such a good athlete for sure. Um, moving on to Eric, spelled weird, Eric Holman out of uh, Mississippi State. Another common nickname, Bulldogs. Just want to put that out there. Yes, that's, that is another one. But uh, has a reputation of being a stretch big man, but I didn't really see too much of him just because I was doing other people and just didn't get to him. Um, you want to go in on him? De- definitely has a jump shot, uh, 40% for three, for three a game. Shot 44% last year. Uh, the shot looks good. Um, he also has some back-to-the-basket game. I think you mentioned uh, Ray Spalding comparison a while ago. I think Eric might be a better comp as a shooter. Uh, or as oh, a yeah, scorer, like, like I was saying like a light, Eric. Like, gotcha. like a Ray Spalding, like that was more disappointing. Like a, he's like a, a, a slim 6'10 guy uh, that can shoot the ball a good bit. Um, <clears throat> he offers some good weak side shot blocking as well. Yes. Uh, he's very quick off the floor, good athlete. Uh, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. Um, I think like what we, if you're looking at stretch bigs, you can you can do worse than Eric Holman. Yeah, he's he's gonna be someone that gets picked because of the size, the shooting the somewhat defensive capabilities. Um, whereas Jalen Smith, you almost have to pick just because you think you can bet on his athleticism and stuff. So I'm not too big of a fan of Jalen Smith, and I think Eric Holman has every right to get picked over him, even though I would not be surprised if Jalen Smith goes first. People like to think they're smart and drafting the upside, but where holding you kind of know what you're getting i think it's better i think i'm tired of everyone just betting on upside when what they should be betting on is peak which is what do you think this player is going to be at his best like six or seven years whereas what everyone says and does is oh he could be this ollie guy but what do you think he's probably going to be right that's what i wish people would draft on but you know Say la vie, right? Um, uh, also, let's go and talk about um, the Weatherspoon brother, the older one, Quindary. Uh, sure. Uh, so Quin- Quindary is a guy. Um, I was actually scouting Nick last year, the first time I saw him, and I was like, why is nobody talking about this Quindary guy? Um, <clears throat> he just looks the part when you look at him on the basketball court. Uh, great size, length. Uh, he's aggressive. Uh, let me pull up some stats here on Quinn. Uh, with his brother being suspended, he's had to take on even more of the load. Um, 
he's up to he's back up to 40 percent from three uh, i believe at the start of the year he was shooting a stupid percentage uh but he's, he's leveled out now he's taking a lot of volume he steps up in the clutch he's another candidate for a breakout tournament uh mississippi state's a team that's going to be in they get the right matchups he's going to be one of the guys that they're going to depend on to to make things happen so uh, definitely somebody to look out for. All right, for sure. Um, moving on to Kansas State's own Dean Wade. Um, a name which was really impressive last year was, uh, I think it was Big 12. I don't think it was Player of the Year, but it was something similar to that, or something that like you would be like, oh, yeah, that's a cool award. But... Um, last year was a really interesting combination of passing, scoring, stretch shooting, and even trying on defense, which is something in itself for a guy that was scoring the way he was. But this year he's been a complete disappointment, and there are questions as to is he even draftable at this point because of everything that has gone wrong, and he just seems to have a complete lack of confidence this year. You hate to see it. I do. Do you have anything to add? No, sir. Let's keep it moving. All right. Um, Buffalo's own C.J. Massenburg. Skip that. Right. I, I mean, I'll add, I'll add a little note. You know, he's another one of those <clears throat> guards. He's 6'3", uh, I think like 194, 195, still decent size, somewhat thin. Um, shoots 40% from three, and he's uh, six rebounds a game, which is interesting for a guard. It's something you have to note. But... Uh, like we said before, how much value does it actually add? I think it more so points to his uh, aggression. Um, may not be a guy that you're looking at for the draft necessarily, but a guy that could have a, a good tournament uh, for his team. So It is worth noting that he is in mock drafts. So people are, there's at least some rumblings that he could get picked in the 50s. I mean, I can see that. Um, and I think a, a good tournament will go a long way towards securing that for him. All right. Um, Syracuse's own ties battle. I would say he's been a disappointment this year. Um, his game, I mean, he was on the radar last year. His game has not really improved. Um, he came back shooting like 30% from three, which you just can't do in today's NBA as a wing. Um, he's got the prototypical size, 6'6", 205. But, um, again, he, he just hasn't improved much from last year. His stats are pretty much identical. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, at a certain point, it's like, like, what do I even do with this guy that can't really shoot? And just is like a kind of blasé at a whole bunch of things and it can kind of score, but not even can, really incredibly efficiently, right? Like, it's still you can like... get those guys from anywhere. Like... Why would I have him whenever the Texas Legends have Nate Mason and he's probably better? Exactly. Like you can you can find a guy like him anywhere in the world. You're Inclusive. not gonna draft a guy like that. Yeah. And or even put him on an exhibit ten. Like he probably if he ends up around the NBA, he's gonna be in the G League for a little while if he ever has a chance of getting in the NBA right now. Right. All right. Moving on to uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's teammate, Justin Robinson. 
Um, you weren't a big or a not big fan of him. You're kind of in the middle on him. So I'm kind of curious as to how you feel. Um, let me pull him up real quick. He's another one of those guys. Um, good, good shooter. What, 41% from three. Uh, 6'2", 195, so pretty much the same size <laughs> as our previous guy. Um, he's another one that I'm just not sure what the upside is there. Um, he's a senior doing basically the same thing he's been doing for the past few years. Uh, and again, it's just how many small guards do you need if they don't have great great upside or they don't do one thing amazingly well i mean 40 percent from three on 4.3 attempts 5.2 assists the 2.7 turnovers there's enough there to where there's someone, like seven guys doing similar things there are there are 62 way slots in the nba <laughs> so i mean i'm just saying he can probably land one if he if he can just continue being what he is and but overall, he's definitely nothing like amazingly special or anything. Um, ideally, you'd want to see him on a team that just wants some shooters, and he can just shoot some threes uh, off his two-way and off his exhibit ten or whatever. But another one of those guys that's just gonna get a look because he's capable of shooting the ball and is a human body. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And also it has, like, almost two assists to turnover. Yeah, and now again, that's been pretty consistent for the past three years. Um, now, if he had improved that, then we were having a little bit of a different discussion, but I think it's kind of one of those situations where he is what he is. Oh, yeah, he is what he is. He's not going to get, like, significantly better or anything, but what he is, if he can just be, like, 10 minutes of that at the NBA level, someone will give him a look. No, I did, definitely he's a guy that could stick around or show up. He probably won't do anything for the first few years, but like when he's near 27, 28, and he's a, a guy you can depend on off the bench as a serviceable guard, he'll he'll probably find his way into the league. Like Ian Clark or something. Right. But uh, moving on to the next name on the list, um, Ole Miss is own Terrence Davis. Um, from what I recall, he's a pretty he's a pretty upper tier athlete. Yeah, I think that's safe. That's safe way to describe. Him. Yeah, and um, from also pretty good as a slasher as well. Another one of those guys with the prototypical fit body as well, six four, two hundred, so two, a little bit over two hundred. Yep. Um, you want to go in on him for a minute while I look up numbers so I can have something to talk about. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so again, I mean, I watch a lot of SEC basketball. Um, one of the things that makes a lot of these SEC teams special is the depth or the, the versatility of their, their teams. I think he's the type of guy that could end up in a spot where he, like Quindary, uh, has to take over a game. Uh, he does have that ability uh 37% on five threes a game um his, so his, his three point percentage has increased over the past couple of seasons with about the same volume so you like to see that uh his steal numbers have actually gone back up he had fallen off last year so pretty uh, aggressive defender on the perimeter 
He rebounds well for a guard, which you would want to see from a guy with his size. Doesn't get to the line as much as I would like, um, but like you said, he is good cutting off the ball and slashing. So uh, he's a guy that does things. I mean, he has good size and does things that not a lot of people can do. So if he has a good showing in the tournament, I could see him uh, ending up getting drafted late in the second as a, a guy with the potential to be a, a scorer off the bench for a team. I think he deserves to be drafted, but there's kind of like a, a slog of players in the late end of the draft that you can all make an argument to pick. Right. It's just like somebody has to fall in love with him, I think. Yeah, for sure. But he's definitely someone that can be fallen in love with with his athleticism. Finally having a good shooting year, having a career-high free-throw shooting year, um, capable rebounder with his athleticism, all that combined is enough to earn a look. Right. And if he shows out with some incredible numbers at the combine, someone will go goo-goo for Gaga and just take him. I like, can see that as well. Higher than they should probably, but even still, I really like them. All right. It's your time at the end of the episode to go in on the the one and only, the one I brought up first and you were just kind of joking about, and now all of a sudden you're in love. Andrew Nemhard. (laughs) Now, I think in love is a little bit much, but – I'm making a joke. um, Okay, I'm sorry. With with the number of point guards that have been discussed in this year's draft, uh, Nemhard is one that's kind of gotten overlooked. Um, I love his potential as a floor general point guard that doesn't necessarily look for a shot, but will take it when he needs to. Um, just kind of knows when to step up and when when it's time to defer. I think he's another guy with a five to two assist to turnover ratio. Uh, he's a dimer. He fly, finds guys up the court uh, wherever they're at. Um, I just really enjoy. I mean, and, oh, let me also add six five. Um, point guard so love the tall point guards Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a guy that needs to come out this year but definitely a guy to watch that could end up in that uh, first half of the first round discussion if he uh, improves next year all right for sure and obviously I'm just gonna ask the question even I know the answer um him or Trey Jones and how much are you taking Trey Jones over him I'm taking Nemhard over Trey Jones. Oh, come on. As a facilitator alone. Trey Jones is also a good facilitator. I like his size and uh, ability to see the floor. I'm not sure Trey Jones is as great a distributor as I would like. Sure, but I'll take the defense. I mean, you're trading out that for you're trading out defense for uh, a guy that sets the table with, with those two. So uh, I'm going to go with the guy that sets the table. Yeah. As much as I love defense, uh, a point guard, a great defensive point guard at Trey Jones' size, like he can't, he's not guarding twos and threes, so I can't go with him there. I I would need the versatility. He's one of the closest things I've seen to Patrick Beverly in a long time, so outside of the shot, but he's young. so I can get on board with that. And whenever you have an assist to turnover of 5.3 to 1.5, I mean, sorry, I gotta, I gotta bite. <laughs> like, you gotta look at, you gotta look at who he's surrounded by as well. So, yeah, a bunch of players that are ball, not a bunch of them, two, one of them that's a ball hog. One of them, the one of them that's Zion Williamson, of course, and then Cam Reddish, <laughs> who's a brick. Yeah. 
So, I mean, only he's a signer with one elite all-time player in college and a bunch of people that aren't necessarily generating assists, necessarily. Especially not Cam Reddish. Yeah, that's why their assist turnover situation is similar, I would say. Because uh, who is who is uh, who's Nimhard dishing to? Exactly. You're asking me? Ask I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He's, yeah, I must he's, say. He's not, he doesn't have many shooters on the wings either. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, and he de- also doesn't have Zion. So Definitely not, for sure. But uh, I think that about caps it off. Yeah. Um, shout out to Richard for being with us while he could. We really appreciated that, and we're glad that we're all back together now. We're really looking forward to this NCAA tournament, um, and we'll start getting into everything that's going on at the tournament next week and the next weeks after that. Um, with that, um, this has been another episode of the Third Round Picks. You can find uh, Bibbs on Twitter, at Bibbs Corner, and Adam Bibbs for uh, everything, and uh, BibbsCorner.com. Um, you can find Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft for obviously Mavs and draft things. And then uh, me, you can find me on Twitter at Max Scouts. I have since fallen off on being so hard with how much I talk about Mavericks on Twitter compared to how I used to talk about the Mavericks on Twitter. But I still talk about the Mavericks on Twitter. So if you still want to hit me up about it, we still talk about it. Obviously, I'm going to talk about draft on Twitter about that too. But. Sometimes you just want to talk about other stuff. I can talk about other stuff too. I just want to. I just want to see y'all. I want to be find people, say hello to people, and all that because that's cool and connections are great. Um, with that, hope you all enjoyed this episode. Um, and uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, peace. Uh, all right. So just wanted to note. Um, we did uh, Desmond Bain this episode. Uh, at the time of recording, we all anticipated that TCU would get into the NCAA tournament, and unfortunately they did not. Instead, they are the one of the one seeds in the NIT, so you can find uh, Desmond Bain's film there uh, if you want some postseason tournament film. But um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of sorry about that. But at the same time, he was too good of a prize to leave out, even if he was sort of on the bubble. So I forgot to plug the websites I write for because I, I kind of bungled the ending. So I just wanted to say that uh, you can find my draft work on LockDraft.com and the um, Mavericks pieces I've read in the past on TheDallasProspect.com and also have a couple other things related to the Mavericks on their website in the future once uh, summer gets rolling around and you know the, this whole NBA draft train slows down just a little bit because right now it's got to be the main focus and all that. So thanks for listening to this episode, guys. 